Who's on second? Who's on first? What base do you want to talk about? I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. You play to win the game. We're in here talking about practice. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Come after me! They're comedians, they're sports fans, and all-around degenerates. It's the Who's On First podcast with your hosts, Matt Marin and Anthony Passaretti. I'm a man! I'm 40! What's up? Welcome to the Who's On First podcast. Matt Marin here with Anthony Passaretti. What's up, Anthony? You know, <laughs> not much. Just a... More time has gone by, and now now we have more things to talk about. So yeah, we are recording this on Wednesday, and there's football tonight. There, oh yeah, because the NFL is a giant <laughs> fucking COVID disaster. That's definitely one of our <laughs> top stories this week. That the that the NFL has reached baseball heights of dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, I mean, it seems like. Football has twice as many players on our team as baseball, so this seemed inevitable. One hundred percent. The whole thing is ridiculous. Like they decided that, like we're going to travel with three times as many people as the baseball teams did. We saw what happened to them. The whole yeah. the whole first month where everything was terrible, they, they they learned nothing, and now now the league doesn't even work. Like the the I, the obvious big one to point to is Denver this week. Yeah. So that was uh, that's the crazy thing that uh, people have been talking about is the Denver versus Baltimore. Baltimore, they just pushed back all their games. Denver, they were like, yeah, you don't have a QB too bad. It it's absurd. And the Ravens, like, it's not even just like the Ravens have half their team out. It seems like it's like how are they yeah. even supposed to field a functional team? How is it this even like? It, whoever wins this year like of all the sports it turns out that i think the nfl is going to be the one that's looked back this year on is like wow i guess they they played it but like should they have like who cares like it was like half the teams were yeah half the teams were literally just like their practice squad by the end it seems like it's going to be plus you have an entire division of teams that are laughably fucking bad regardless of anything else it's this year is well the denver broncos this week was the only team where it really was like but they were out of the they're out of the playoff picture anyway if there's more teams that end up to the rest of your playing the way the denver broncos did this week then yeah but it's gonna get worse though none of this is gonna get better anytime soon like it's gonna get progressively worse every single time like the ravens have like stars out i'm sure other team i'm sure you're going to get something like how the dodgers did in the world series where there's going to be some kind of like one of the good teams had something and tried to cover it up and fucked it up i it's 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 ridiculous like watching it on thanksgiving even was it just the thanksgiving games did you watch them unfortunately yeah, they were terrible. That that fake punt the Cowboys ran on their own 20 was one of the most baffling play call decisions I've ever seen and I was rooting against them and I was still like, what are you doing? That's not I don't not that's not fun. Yeah. Um so normally my Thanksgiving is ignoring my family and watching football, but this year I was with the smaller portion of the family who I actually enjoy. Um mm. and then uh this is the first year it was reversed because the Cowboys were getting destroyed by the Washington football team. I ignored football to talk to my family. That's how bad things got. The only reason I was having a good time with it was I picked a like a one game five person DraftKings team and like made it to the pay tier. So I was like, nice. you know what? At the end of the day, nothing is too shitty if I'm making money off of it. Yeah. Could have been <laughs> And then yeah. uh the Lions Texans game wasn't bad, but it uh, you know, wasn't uh, anything 
stood out. The Lions have been ruining. Like the the, the Lions are are terrible consistently. Yeah. It's 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 unbelievable that a good team like of all the teams in that division, the other three are good sometimes. Like there could be good competitive Thanksgiving games if it was any of the other ones, but no, it has to be the Lions. It's this tradition where you get together yeah. with your family and watch Detroit suck. It's 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 too bad. Yeah, I w- there was a, there were a couple years when they had Calvin Johnson and Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford I do still think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh be- because he plays for the Lions. But actually him and what he does is incredible. He's very good. Yeah, I well, I think it's really hard to like judge him because like I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like you could also call him like overrated because the total time he was playing with Calvin Johnson, he had the option to just huck 70-yard passes to an like a machine of a receiver. So his yeah. yards numbers could be inflated by having literally maybe like arguably the best receiver of, like he's Maybe in the conversation ever. of all time yeah, yeah but of his yeah, era 1000 percent. So. yeah um so sure that could but be he imp- still but he still puts up numbers outside of that and i heard um aaron Rodgers doing an interview with uh he does a weekly interview with pat mcafee um which is very good every week aaron Rodgers, he just seems relaxed and like laid back having fun and he talked about how no one talks about matt stafford doing no look passes and like this crazy stuff he's been doing for years Mm-hmm. Um, and just how good he is, not just yeah. numbers wise, but individually on place throws he makes. And granted, he was able to chuck it up to Calvin Johnson for a while, but outside of just that, you don't, he's, it's not only on those plays that he does well. Mm-hmm. I remember an interview with him. I think he did like 60 minutes or something like his third season in the league. And he was, he said something to the effect of the first season I had in the lions was really hard because I had never quarterbacked a losing football team before, which sounded impressive until you start to think like three years at the university of Georgia and four years at the best prep high school, like, no shit, you didn't go. <laughs> if you were on a losing yeah. team, you wouldn't be here, you fucking idiot. Like that was the same thing with like Joe with like Joe Burrow. Like when he lost, like with the Bengals, he's like, "This is the first game I've lost in five years." Yeah, it's like, well, it's like you know, welcome to the fucking big time. This this is yeah. what you wanted. Nobody wins all the time here. Sure, but it's just, I mean, imagine living that life where you've been only winning for so long, and then all of a sudden you're on a losing. It's got to be kind of be like being shell-shocked well yeah but he said it in a way that he thought it wasn't a possibility and i thought it's like well that should have the possibility of being like you're on the worst team your first year usually yeah but when like, you're, you're but when you're 21 and all you've done is win you feel like i'm gonna go in the nfl and turn this whole team around we'll be winning now because i'm here you just yeah when that's I was the attitude of a dummy though that's why i'm kind of laughing what 20, at okay <laughs> what 21 year old who was just drafted into a professional sport isn't going to be a dummy what 21 year old period sure dummy? sure <laughs> i know that's that's fine yes absolutely yeah. that too but i'm yeah. just pointing it out because i remembered yeah. this time and i yeah. think it's funny it is but, funny um, the uh yeah, the the NFL is is and my friggin' Giants are th- three games in a row won and now they're in the lead. It's yeah. absurd. This <laughs> is the worst division ever. It's it's a it's ridiculous to watch and watching the Cowboys and Washington football team play was it was so obvious that that's why the division is what it is. Like you were watching two teams who almost didn't seem like they wanted to win. They just kept giving it to each other. Everybody kept having chances, not because both teams were good, because both teams were bad. Nobody could close out the game. People kept each other in it. It was, 
people not going out of bounds when they need to just like basic fundamental shit that you would watch a good team do neither team was doing yeah (laughs) yeah it was um not yeah it was who was going to be the less bad team and it seems like that's going to be the entire division and i if whoever the representative is if they win a playoff game i can't wait to see the reaction from people all over people will be so pissed it would be like a 16 beating a one yeah even worse because at least like the 16 seed had a winning record in their division right yeah like they earned it (laughs) they didn't just they're like the best team from the america east conference or whatever they're at least like good um, mm-hmm. they at least played good against the teams they played against, even if they played against bad teams. Um, but the other team in the NFC East had a game. I'm interested, uh, your take on this being that you're a big sports gambler, the Eagles covered the spread against the Seahawks. Do you see this? Yeah, I didn't touch. I didn't play this game, but I definitely saw the giant reaction to it. <laughs> Thank and God that you was play this game. Oh my God, no. Okay, we we'll talk about the we'll talk about uh, what I did do and how furious I was in a few minutes. But um, the Eagles, you know, it, it's one of those ones where you you don't like to think that anyone involved in the game is aware of those numbers. And That's what the yeah, spread but, is. Yeah. But it's this very is, obvious. Like this one seems like they had to have known. It, it the the explanation of why it happened without that is I don't know that there is one. Like I would love to hear someone try to justify their decision making in that moment. Like you so, just happen to have this like brain fart that like cost all these people this result. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, the Seattle Seahawks were six and a half point favorites over the Eagles and the Seahawks are winning by 14 Eagles score a touchdown. Every single like even analytics wise, everything you'd look into would be like you kick the extra point, then you try and score, get the onside kick, try and score again. Maybe you go for two for the win then, or go for the extra point. But you don't go for two on the first touchdown you score. That makes no sense unless I don't know what they're saying. They're trying to catch him off guard, whatever. They go for two, they make it, so they lose by six. They don't even go for the onside kick. They like squib kicked it and didn't yep. recover. So. The- they just, it seemed like they were just trying to not lose by six. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they, it's, the Eagles are not my favorite. And then watching that, it was just like, I'm so glad that I wasn't invested in the Eagles today at all, positively or negative. There's a, there's a, um, I was about to say good. I don't know. That's up for interpretation. But there is a movie about sports betting called The Runner where John Goodman runs this like network of sports books in Vegas. And this line that gets repeated through the whole movie is never bet on the Eagles. The Eagles will never let you cover. <laughs> and I, uh, I was thinking about that a lot during that whole thing that the Eagles yeah. will fuck you in gambling. Yeah. So maybe this is a running problem in Philadelphia because the movie came out 22 years ago. <laughs> maybe. But yeah, that was... Um... But then uh, I saw a lot of that over Twitter. People call, uh, saying this is one of the worst, craziest bad beats of all time in gambling. But also, what if Tony bet on the Eagles? What about those people who must be thrilled? Yeah, no, that's and that's always the other side of it. And then what you have to start like 
thinking about is like at the books, there probably was a lot more money on the other result. There was, there was like 70%, I think of the bets were on the Seahawks. So that's an absolute win for the casino. They don't care that they have to pay those people a little bit. They take everything from everyone else and give some of it to those winners and then they keep it. It's why they always win. It's a fucking perfect system. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I had, I wish I owned a casino so badly. I don't give a shit about the moral implications of any of that. I would I would love to just sit there all day and just watch people just toss money at me just because I've promised them some sort of fun or maybe some sort yeah. of riches later. It sounds like the greatest get racket of all time. And the idea that someone could fuck it up is amazing to me, but people do it all the time. I'm not, this isn't yeah. just like a Trump slam kind of thing. Like casinos close in Atlantic City like every six months. Yeah, I don't get it. It seems Either. like it seems like a win-win scenario, but um, you have to get the, yeah. you have to just keep people in there. So I guess yeah. if if you go to but I you know it if the of all the different like of all the ways this country has screwed Native American people, giving them license to just take money back that way is one of the funniest versions of like you know, here, sorry, like you guys can do yeah. this. I, I love that so much. One of the things they're allowed to do is just, yeah. just take money from people. Who the real don't. poetic justice would be if casinos made a bunch of money on a Washington football team game. They probably, they probably have. And speaking of casinos and a mobile casino who can fuck themselves to death, um, DraftKings uh, can fuck off forever because of this Mike Tyson bullshit. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, am, I forgot that fight was this week, and of course we're going to talk about this. Yes, this is perhaps, uh, in my eyes, the top story of the week. Mike Tyson comes out of retirement because um, Acid told him to. I don't know if you saw <laughs> that interview. He was tripping his balls off and had a he said vision. He got, he, yeah, he said he got really high before the fight. Oh, no, he smoked weed before the fight. At some point, like a year ago, he was tripping his face off and had a vision that he needed to get back in perfect shape and fight somebody, which is kind of not what psychedelics usually tell people to do. It's usually a lot more peaceful than that. There isn't usually a go to war message coming out of those things. But uh, either way, so for Mike Tyson's brain, maybe. Yeah, exactly. He does not have the brain of most people, for sure. Um, I... All right, so I watched most of this whole thing. I watched like three of the undercards and then the two main events. The other main event we can definitely get into also. But the main focus of this is the shit ended in a draw and Tyson obviously won. I don't know if this is some reference to how corrupt boxing used to be. And now they're just like, look, we can do it too. We're DraftKings. We're going to rig the shit out of this because no one fucking had draw. There was millions of dollars on either result. Tyson was a pretty heavy favorite. If you bet 50 bucks, you were only getting 21 back. So all these people that put like 150, it, it just gets raked by the house. Tyson had triple the amount of power punches landed. He won every fucking round on the cards and then they just called it a draw and he's sitting there like, I'm definitely going to fight again later. And it's like, you motherfucker, Mike Tyson mysteries got canceled for this. You can't even fucking give me a fucking win. (laughs) And and I I know those figures because maybe I did lose that exact amount of money on this stupid (laughs) fucking piece of shit rigged ass garbage. So I will say as far as the fight goes, it was better than I thought it would be. 
Tyson, like, still looks like he has power. Yeah. I wouldn't want to fucking get in the... I mean, respect to Roy Jones Jr., who just cashed one of the biggest checks of all time for taking yeah. a beating from Mike Tyson in his 50s, which is something very few men could handle. Yeah. Um, in general, uh, what you thought a fight with two guys in their 50s, one who hasn't fought in 15 years is going to be, it was better than that, whatever you thought it was going to be. It was actually like... Like, it actually seemed, like, not terrible. Yeah. It was, uh, it was fine. Yeah, it visually looked fine. You could tell that nobody was yeah. really going for a knockout. I know Tyson's team was like, we're definitely going for the knockout, but it, it definitely felt more technical than that. Uh, yeah. The other. Um, it, was, it was fun to watch. I would say I, I found a stream for it. I didn't pay for it. I did, it didn't seem like the type of thing I would want to pay for. I will say I was more interested in this than I was Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Cause this was at least two people who like belonged in this sport. Like it wasn't yeah, a pub. Well, so with Floyd and Connor, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And it wasn't of interest to me with this. I had no idea what was going to happen. I, I mean, looking back on it with how many like regulations and rules they had set, like draw was sort of the option that everyone, like anyone that was smart, but again, this is, you know, hindsight's 2020. The, yeah. uh, the the overall production of the thing I thought was really really impressive. How they had like in between every single fight they had like a very famous rapper come out and do like a set. They they like and the whole thing was uncensored commentary and all. The broadcasters could say shit and fuck if they wanted to. Um, yeah. Uh, you could smoke weed on TV. Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa at certain points just started smoking weed on a fucking huge broadcast, which yeah. is a, I love that. That's a nice sign of the time. Snoop was awesome. Yeah, and also the announcement, Mora Ranallo. I I mean, I've I've liked Mora Ranallo for a long time. He's a great boxing announcer. He's done wrestling also. Um, and I almost like him better in boxing than wrestling. Um, but as in uh, boxing, he's uh, there. He adds something to the entire feel of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and he he felt like one of the only sort of experts in yeah. the in the room because largely it was snoop talking and like snoop do you remember the the real quick time when snoop would sit in on ufc commentating with rogan yeah. and they eventually kicked him off because he had no idea what the fuck he was talking about and he <laughs> ended up being like disrespectful to like half the lower card fighters he's like oh who the fuck is this loser whatever yeah like, they were like and you gotta also, get out of here <laughs> in last year's hockey video game nhl 20 snoop dog does guest commentary he's good at it i mean like have you the the videos where he is the narrator for planet earth and he's just sort of saying what he sees are very funny he's a very funny guy and this is the perfect situation for him this sort of like fight that doesn't really matter and could yeah like especially and the one before it uh especially more sports related than anything it's two sports in one we got former nba fucking all-star nate robinson yeah jake paul Knocked out by Jake Paul in the second round. I barely saw. I when my stream started. It was when this fight was starting. So by the time my stream loaded, it was just showing the replay of the knockout because it was over that fast. Nate Robinson had no chance. 
He had no business being in that ring. I don't know. It, it looked like he barely even trained. He looks like a professional athlete already. He had no boxing skill whatsoever. He would run in for a clinch, run in for a clinch. At one point, as he's running in for a clinch, Paul fucking cracks him close to the back of the head. It's almost an illegal hit. And he goes right down. And you can see it takes him eight seconds to get up. And the look on his face is like, I fucked up. I have no business being here. I'm about to get fucking humiliated in front of everybody. He didn't have a moment's prayer in that fucking yeah. fight. Um, the the internet was ruthless. The memes of Nate Robinson when he's knocked out were hilarious. The ones of well, Simba, he, the ones of Simba pushing him like it was dead Mufasa. Yeah, or I, I saw one where he's like knocked out, and like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King are like looking down at him, fucking furious. And yeah. uh, it it's his fault because that's he he made it racial before the fight even started. He basically like looked at the Paul brothers, claimed that he could beat up any white person. And then this started and he just got fucking clocked in front of millions and millions of people. His yep. name is going to be synonymous with this. He, like, fuck, fuck, sorry, man, you were a short person in the dunk contest. That could have been how you got remembered. Fucking not yeah. anymore. <laughs> Another win for the white man. He, Jake Paul is people hate on those dudes so hard, but those two dudes are fucking marketing geniuses. Like they, they yeah. print money. They know how to keep themselves 100% in the conversation, calling out Connor to a boxing match saying you're going to knock him out at the end. I know he's not going to knock out Conor McGregor, but both of them could easily yeah. make $10 million for try just dancing around each other. Yeah. A hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I still think Nate Robinson will be remembered for the dunk contest more than this. This will be like a weird post-career thing. Jose Canseco did celebrity boxing too. People don't remember that as much. Yeah, but he, but I don't know. He didn't get knocked out. I, like this was the most watched boxing fight in like multiple decades. Yeah. Like it's, it's uh, like he, he, he's in trouble as far as like getting clowned on. It's going to be one of those things where it's like, I think he's entered like Richard Gere territory. We're like, sure. Ooh, lots okay. of people consider Richard Gere an actor, but if you're going to try to like joke about Richard Gere, there's one thing you're bringing up before the other things. Yeah. That, and I, I think, think you may be right. <laughs> yeah. This, this might be his gerbil. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, my favorite one. The, um, the pic, uh, I saw a picture of him on the way falling down as he was getting knocked out with the caption, uh, record scratch freeze frame. I'm former <laughs> NBA champion, Nate Robinson, NBA dunk champion, Nate Robinson. You're probably wondering how I ended up like this. Yeah. It's like, I, I called out this kid for looting a mall during the fucking George Floyd riots. And now all of a sudden I'm getting my fucking teeth knocked out. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, fuck DraftKings uh, because that shit was 100%. Uh, Mike Tyson won that fucking fight according to the cards and the numbers and all of it, and they and fucked everybody. And anybody who was watching, <laughs> yeah, then they, they and they fucked everybody. Uh, Mike says he's gonna do it again. That'd be interesting. Well, I mean, if they they did a rematch, it wouldn't draw as much, but they could draw with the rematch probably. And with the yeah. stipulation, no draw, there will be a winner. They could do that and get a second payday. They should do it like a. Uh, you ever see a uh, Rocky Six, where like Rocky is like in the bar and they're talking shit about him on Sports Center. So he just comes out of retirement and fights the current heavyweight champion just to be yeah. like, "Fuck it." <laughs> That's what Mike yeah. should do. <laughs> it's a ridiculous premise, but yeah. uh, that was a that was one of the biggest top stories this week. 
Um, College basketball came back. Did you watch any of that? I was watching a little bit of it. Um, what was there was one big upset. I texted you. There was a couple already. There was a couple yeah. big ones. Can, uh, Kansas Gonzaga was a was a big game. Kansas does not usually let up more than a hundred points. First time since nineteen ninety. Yeah, um, that was big. And uh, I, I was I know um, Rutgers is three and zero, which uh, I only know because I have a friend who uh, won't stop talking about anytime Rutgers is anything good, which you need to do when you eat for a team that's that bad. I think I know who it is too. <laughs> it, it's, it is John Fox. <laughs> um, yeah, my dad uh, went to Rutgers. He's very, very excited about that. Yeah. Um, there was a oh, the one you texted me about was Virginia, wasn't it? Yeah, Virginia. It was Virginia because Virginia's got a weird last few years. Upset as the number one seed by a 16 seed, win the national championship, and now during the COVID year, college basketball comes back and Virginia drops a game they should have won. They lost, I believe, 61-60 to the University of San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, that's not a team you usually hear in the, <laughs> taking down potential national champions. I think, Good uh, for them. I'm yeah, sure that's got to be the Bill best. Russell, yeah. Bill Russell played for the University of San Francisco, I think, back in, like, the 50s. That's, like, the last time they were a good team. Damn. I'm sure this is, like, I'm, I'm, I, it must be so fun to be them right now. They're going to be so yeah. hyped. Like this is the best win we've had in decades. That's good for them. Uh, Although there was a, they can still play. Cause like the San Francisco 49ers have to practice in Arizona now because of the new California regulations. Yeah. Uh, um, man, all, who knows all that. I remember last year, college basketball was the one that like got the most embarrassingly shut down. Like there's players three minutes into the game and there's people in the arena and you have someone coming yeah. running out like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't I do was this. Su- <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to go. I had tickets to the um, uh, Atlantic 10 conference tournament at Barclays Center. Uh, I had never been to like a day, like one of those things where you get the ticket for the whole day and you just watch mm-hmm. tournament games from beginning to end. I'd never been to one of those. And uh, the Atlantic 10 is not a great conference. They had Dayton where Obi Toppin was playing, who was maybe the most exciting player in college basketball last year, who's now mm-hmm. going to be a New York Nick. Um, but yeah, I was supposed to go to that. And that was like the day everything shut down. It was like, there were announcements of the other tournaments uh, being shut down. Big East tournament shut down. Um, Big 10 shut down the uh, SEC, but there was no announcement about the Atlantic 10 because it's not as big of a conference. So it was like one o'clock and I was like supposed to be there at one for the first game. And I'm looking, I'm like, doesn't seem like that game's happening. I guess it's canceled. And then later I found out that was canceled too. But that was like the last one that was like announced or was announced that publicly because it was like such a lesser, like known conference. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was that also whole- what was going to make it fun is that it probably wasn't going to be super packed because no one's really coming to watch St. Bonaventure play or LaSalle University play. But yeah. that would have been great to just walk around all day. I was going to go with a friend of mine who's a big college basketball fan, former guest to who's on first, actually, Veronica Garza. We were supposed mm-hmm. to go uh, to that. Yeah. Ooh, I should. Sorry, I brought up Kansas. She, she's like the yeah. biggest Kansas <laughs> super fan ever. Yeah. Uh, the uh, But, yeah, I, I those are very fun. And I believe I know a couple of people who are going to go to the Big East one at Madison Square Garden, and they decided in the morning not to, and then by three o'clock the whole world was done. Yeah, yeah. It, it, um, 
We'll see. Nuts. I think I just saw Fauci did like an interview was asked when fans come back fully. And he said probably like end of summer 2021 is what he was thinking. End of next summer, maybe. Yeah. I've 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 had concert tickets that were supposed to be for shit. The beginning of August of this year. And as of now, it's been postponed to the middle of September next year. So I'm kind of, I'm hoping that that timeline is right. What was the concert? Uh, uh, My Chemical Romance's reunion tour. Oh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm, it, it, it's one of the only things, like the idea, like if you had asked me like at the start of the pandemic, like, why are you so upset? Like I lost my job and all my livelihood would be three and four to, I had my <laughs> chemical romance tickets and they were shooting a new jackass movie. And I was much, <laughs> much, much, much more upset about two of those things than the other two. Yeah. Um, but there was one other big college story this week coming out of the college football world. Um, someone named Sarah Fuller, came and filled in a COVID hole. Um, Vanderbilt had the very first female player in a big conference school college football game. Yeah. A woman kicker came in. She didn't fuck it up. She made the kick, right? She did. Did you watch the clip? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The replies to it were very, very funny to read because there was definitely some people who were going in there like, I don't care if she kicks this shit 800 yards out of the stadium, I am going to fucking hate on this. Like, I do not fucking care. And then there was some other people who were legitimately questioning it because if you watch it, it's not your standard deep kick kickoff. It's like a very sort of placed, you wouldn't call it squib exactly, but it, it, right. There is a play in. You're right. It wasn't a field goal. It was a kickoff. It was, it was, she did the opening second half kickoff. Yeah. And they lost this game 41, nothing. So had they tried to kick a field goal, she would have done it, but they didn't get there. Right. And uh, this kick wasn't your standard back of the end zone kick. It was placed. It was, they were trying. So if this was the play call and it was done on purpose, it was an immaculately good kick. She kicked it directly to the person that they wanted to fall on it. But then in the thing, anyone that was expecting the, the bomb kick and doesn't know football enough to know that that is a play where you try to kick it directly to someone who like isn't fast and hope they just sort of fall on it to prevent a return. So yeah. the, the replies were very funny. People were going at each other's throats all over someone who did one kickoff in a 41 nothing loss. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because something like that becomes so like everyone's got an agenda to it that it doesn't matter what happens anymore because if it's a great kick, people are going to be mad about it no matter what. And if it's a terrible kick, there'll be people saying how it's an amazing thing and she's great no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It, it, that's sort of, yeah, the discourse around it had next to nothing to do with the actual kick. And she uh, is a member of Vanderbilt's soccer team. And it, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, what? good for her. Good for yeah. her. She gets to she gets to have that record. She gets to have that forever. Her name kind of goes down in athletic history. How many, yeah. you know, how many it's probably the way she was gonna do it, you know, n- not taking away anything from anybody. Her her career at Vanderbilt soccer probably wasn't gonna put her in the national stage of sports history. Yeah. I um I wonder if there's ever a chance um of women uh w- a woman who is a really good kicker being in the NFL. Yeah, I think that uh, why not? I, that that's one of those jobs that's so meritocracy. Like, can you fucking kick this through the 
thing consistently, yes or no? And if the answer is yes, I don't think they care if they have a vagina or not. And then I wonder with other sports, there's certain things where I don't think you'll get a woman who can pitch as fast as a man in Major League Baseball. Um, pitch? No. But, but, like, imagine, like, um, like I could definitely – Pinch runner, maybe, but, like – Defensive you, replacement – I don't know. You get some like Ronda Rousey lady behind the plate, maybe just like just some solid like I can be a catcher. Like I can kind of yeah. I can hit I can hit and I can friggin park myself back there. I actually think like catcher might be one of the ones that you like of all the baseball positions because yeah, yeah the pitching the pitching mechanic is so different. Yeah, but uh, or um, first, in basketball, first base, I can I could see it in basketball having a girl as a as your point guard. Yeah, they'd have to be. Team. They'd have to be real, real quick. Um, yeah. May, maybe. I, mean, I, I think it's – you're probably – I think place kicker is probably the first one that they'll break through with. Yeah. I couldn't see it in hockey, a woman being in NHL. Maybe at goalie. Yeah. I, I think the thing that we're both kind of landing on here is just like over the course of history – the speed differentials, like the speed splits, even yeah. in like Olympic world records are just, are just clearly a little different. So we're, we're, we're picking positions where you don't run, where it's all yeah. about reflexes or, and eye coordination and shit. Yeah. I'm just wondering in the next 50 years or so, if you end up seeing some integration, I don't think it'll ever be fully integrated. I mean, I can't say ever in a hundred years from now with hormones and stuff, who knows? Um, but at least in our gener- in our lifetimes, I don't see it becoming fully integrated, but maybe here and there, things like that. As long as we don't let them vote, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those th- like it, I'm fine with literally anybody who can play. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care who they are. Can you do it? Cool. Yeah. Can you not? Oh well. Sorry. Mm. Do something else. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 sort of like yeah. I I enjoy how cut and dry that is like that's one of my favorite parts about liking sports because so much of what i like and like what we like is is the opposite of meritocracy it's it, there's a thousand factors that have nothing to do with how good a writer or performer you are that or, or like even just liking something there's no objective good movie or comedy it's like you know you could show yeah. it to a room of 50 people 10 will love it 10 will hate it 30 will forget it by the time it's over yeah it's like but there is an objective winner or a loser in sports, which is fantastic. It it, it kind of keeps my sanity. I think it's why I'm still a sports fan. As a lot yeah. of you know, I don't know a ton of them in person, and I think it's why so many like people in our other world, in like comedy or other entertainment or artistic worlds, hate sports is because they want everything to be objective and they don't like having winners and losers. Maybe. But it, I, I, it, it's I. That's well, the way I see the you, world. So yeah, me too. But I'm just saying, when you're in like a comedy or an arts field in general, like a lot of like hipsters who hate sports or the people who say sports ball, it's because they don't want to exist in a world where they're a loser in any way, and they don't want to exist in a world where there are losers. They'd yeah. rather be like, well, I can have my thing, you can have your thing, and we can like argue and debate about the writing of whatever comic book or whatever. But they don't want there to actually be. You can say, well, you made more money than me, but I think this is better. They don't want there to actually be a winner or loser, and that's how it happens. Yeah, people that get, like, very butthurt when they see anybody, like, even, like, 
watch sports in a bar for like 10 seconds they feel the need to be like what are you doing it's like at this point i've learned to just write it off it's like oh i'm so sorry your dad called you a faggot when you dropped a ball yeah. <laughs> at like five years old yeah. and now you hate all sports it's like i you know i'm really really sorry that that happened to you or like i'm sorry you got picked you last were, in you, gym class yeah. but like you you tried so, <laughs> playing sports you weren't good and instead of uh trying to get better um it's like i don't like this feeling of being bad so i'm gonna go into a field where i can do whatever i want and people will say good job you're expressing yourself yeah or just like not or just go try something else and just understand that like yeah. there's there's other shit i've i've tried and been bad at many things sports included but i like i'm not i don't have this like resentment towards sports because i've figured out that many many people were better than me at it right but that's the other side that's in the other side of it is that we know in comedy there's a lot of people who are very bad at it that will keep doing it forever and no one will tell them they're bad because there's no final score saying you've been shut out every day for the last 10 years you should stop doing this I miss it so much because I like I I was never very good at the other sides of stand up. I'm not I'm a homebody. I don't like like the idea of just sitting somewhere till three in the morning be, for the sake of it, just for this, just being like, I'm here. Look at me putting in my time. That was the hardest part for me because it's like, fuck it. I just did my thing. I did really well. And now I want to fucking go home. But uh, yeah. I miss it so much because like on stage, I'd kind of put my shit up against almost anybody else at like the amount of time I was doing it. And yeah. I miss that sort of competition nature of it. But, yeah, um, there is it, a, there's a fun, um, if you don't get too crazy with it, where you're like comparing yourself to everyone else so much, um, you can be competitive with yourself and there is like competition to it. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, because it's such an art form, uh, people don't like, a lot of those people aren't into sports because they can't handle the idea of uh, an actual meritocracy. Yeah, well, and the, the the issue with that, like, and shows have tried it because it's just not what people are interested for. Like, there, I forget which late night show did it, but they decided to stop reading names on packets. Like, they were just they were just taking shit blind, and then they just hired a room of seventeen people that look exactly the fucking same, with yeah. the exact same background. And it's yeah. like, well, this does it doesn't necessarily work to try to like because then the the problem becomes you're having two people who aren't the arbiters of anything judging like, Oh, these are the good ones versus these are the bad ones. And it's like, no, those are just the ones you fucking like. It's, it, it, there's a yeah. difference. Yeah. But you know, it's the same thing. Like I've, I've, I've been slogging my way through uh movies. I don't like because they're on like box office lists and now I'm in the middle of the friggin' hobbits. And, and <laughs> I've learned like, you know what, this, this shit just isn't for me. I can t- I could go on list and list and list. Why does every character get to die four times? It's like you'll fucking die once. But people love it, and you know what? Yeah. I'm not gonna call them bad. They're not for me. <laughs> Which yeah. I wish more people could land on those. Type oh, of just things. in general, especially with sports stuff. People who will hate sports just can't accept. It's so because sports is so overwhelmingly popular. I think people feel drowned by it or like overwhelmed by it, even if they aren't a sports fan. If especially they grow up in a small area, it's like if mm. you hate sports and you live in Cleveland, you can't escape the Browns. Yeah, you know, and it's, I I mess this up sometimes myself too, but I always try to remember that if there's an enormous group of people that like something, shitting on it, you're probably always going to be the one that's wrong. It, it just mm. sort of no matter what it is, and, and, like, and like, sure, you could start throwing things back at me like Hitler, but sure, like, obviously, like, if if there's millions of people that like something, there's something about it that's like, clearly doesn't connect with you, but the idea yeah. that it's like objective shit that's worthless is is 
a negative attitude and you will be wrong most of the time yeah. you take that stance. I'm curious. I almost think of it like somebody who's really grown up in sports uh, and they hate it would almost be like, I mean, you could talk to this more growing up in a family where you're going to church every week and it's all religion. And then you hate it. Granted religion's done wor- more damage to the world than sports, but either way, it's the same mindset where the person who becomes the ultimate militant atheist and is anti-Christian and everything. It's like, you could just not do it anymore. But when you become that and you're so against something, it's like, it's hurting you more than anyone else. Um, yeah, that one is a little, I mean, that one, that one becomes a little different because like, there's nobody that's like been ousted. I'm, I'm sure there is by, by absolute morons, but like, you don't get like ousted from your family if they all love the Vikings and then you're gay. Yeah. Like, you, know. like you can, like, you don't like the rest of your family. Isn't going to like, if your whole family about yeah. how you're your family's if your whole family's Vikings fans, they're all probably gay too. Yeah, I mean purple and gold, and uh, <laughs> you got Prince like stroking his penis guitar at half your halftime. So yeah, yeah like I, I guess that's if, if, it's just pretty gay team when you think about it. Yeah, <laughs> they just call themselves the Vikings to be like, oh look, we're really tough, even though we're gonna wear purple and have Prince singing at halftime. Come on, an animal Prince. Viking Vikings are covered in fucking <laughs> furs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um. um yeah, Johnny Boychuk retired too this week. I was just gonna get it. I literally, you read my mind. Me and you have watched a lot of um, careers end in comedy, but it's much sadder when it happens in athletics. We were actually at that game. Yeah, it's um, it's a mo- it's a uh, it's point of celebration when it happens in comedy. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like when Kramer says something at the Laugh Factory. Everybody's very excited. This one was yeah. not fun. Yeah, so we were at the game. It was Islanders Canadians, where someone of the Canadians fell forward. Their skate came up behind him and caught Johnny Boychuk in the eye. Ended up needing ninety stitches to recover, uh, sew up his eyelid. Um, and yeah, now it just came out uh, this uh, this week that Johnny Boychuk's going to be retiring. It's brutal. We knew immediately, like when when it happened, we knew something was wrong. I mean, it's very rare you see someone sprint away that quickly. Like the second he popped he got, up off the ice, ran off the ice, gone. And like you know, everybody's just sort of left, like sitting there, like what happened? And like you could see blood a little bit on the ice, and clearly every player was like extraordinarily shaken. It was one of those where like he's off, and everybody near him is like fucking spreads out, like kind of like when you see compound fractures in basketball. Like everybody just is like gone from yeah. the side and. uh even those dumbass kids behind us shut up for like 20 seconds. <laughs> it was, uh, it was brutal. Yeah. I, I can't, I've only been to three hockey games. I can't believe I, I saw like the second worst skate cut incident because the first worst one was this is one of the most horrifying clips on the internet. The Quint Malarchuk with the goalie. Yeah, that's what that's tr- truly one of the most horrifying things ever broadcast. Yeah. I don't I'm know. Like, uh, the Richard Zednick one is also up there. Um, this is probably top five uh, as far as gruesome or danger. Thing is, this one didn't really seem like because you don't see it as much as you saw the others. But yeah, I think it's up there as like gruesome hockey injuries. Well, we. Uh... Well, it, it's kind of interesting that it's over now because the first word we got back a couple of days later was like the, the stitches were successful. He's not going to lose sight in the eye, like all this stuff. Like the, it was more positive indicators coming out of his updates. 
Mm, yeah. Not now. And he was a great player. He won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. He was just an old school, like, hard-hitting defenseman, grinded, grinder. Uh, loved having him on the Islanders. Have his autograph on my wall somewhere over here. I hope that uh, the NHL takes care of him in some way. Get, get, yeah. If he wants a job, they, you know, I don't know what he wants in his life, but if he wants to like work for the league or like be a broadcaster, yeah, is he somebody sure. that can like talk or something? Like, is he? Uh... Um, not. That's. I mean, it's tough to know um, if somebody could like seeing interviews with him. He seems like he can talk, but you also <laughs> never know if somebody like they, they're well. He's well spoken, but could he be an announcer? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, but, uh, you know, being able to give the interviews, that is a pretty yeah. nice first step in hockey because I think not all of them can give coherent interviews all the yeah. time on it's TV. Not quite, so. It's not quite NASCAR bad. Um. Well, speaking of injuries and racing, I'm going to tweet out that video afterwards. In Formula yeah. One this week, there was one of the most gruesome-looking crashes of all time, and the driver hopped out with minimal injuries. A F1 car goes straight into a wall, explodes into a two-story ball of fire, and then you just see this like little thing like hop out of it. Like The tech of their fire suits, the tech of those cars, it blows my mind that that guy yeah. is not only alive, but not like... Like how uh, the Travis Barker from Blink-182, when he had his plane crash, he needed like 80% of his skin grafted from like cadavers and stuff. This uh, this guy just hops out of the fucking car like, what's up? Give me another car. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> insane that he, like you see that and it's like, that guy's got to be dead. Um, especially like if you ever see the Dale Earnhardt crash, it looks bad, but it doesn't look as bad as other crashes you've seen that the per- per- person's totally fine. I think that that moment changed racing and racing tech forever. Like they were kind of yeah. had like a never again sort of moment. They were like, yeah. we can't. It was the NASCAR that. Holocaust. Kind of, yeah. I mean, a little bit for them. Yeah. It's except, probably the, the worst. except the, except the Earnhardt crash actually happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, flexing your flexing that J card over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jewish. I can deny the Holocaust. Uh, yeah. If you, it's if a you privilege, really want, it's a privilege that's that we just, have. That's your right as, as yes. <laughs> um, I know exactly how we faked it, so I can say it. <laughs> that's part of the the victory laps at your meetings every year. Yes. Um, and then one last big story. I know it's not your favorite thing to talk about, but we do have to talk about soccer this week. And it's I'm excited yeah. to talk about soccer because one okay. of the legends of athletics died this oh, week. Oh, Diego uh, Maradona. Period. Utterly and just one of the most entertaining people in the world. <laughs> just just yeah. one of the most fun. Um, are you familiar with his two claims to fame on the field, uh, I guess? Maybe vaguely. I don't even I don't like dislike talking about soccer either. I just don't know much about it. But yeah, I've heard I know I've heard the name Maradona. Wasn't it like he's a big cocaine guy? Was that one of the things? Or on the Mount on, on the Mount Rushmore of doing cocaine. Okay, I've been doing yeah. cocaine consistently. Not only that, I mean, women, coke, booze. He was living as peak that as possible through all 60 of his years. That's why he died at 60. His heart basically was just like after however long. And uh, but his claims to fame were in the World Cup against England. He had two goals in this match. The first one uh, they call the hand of God goal. 
He's the last person before the goalie. The ball is centered in and he goes up and it grazes off his fucking hand and goes in the net, which should technically be a handball and not a goal. Yeah. The refs fucking allow it. England goes fucking crazy. Nobody does jack shit about it. And if there's one thing that everyone in the world can agree on, it's really funny when England gets fucked over. Because yeah. they, they, they've they owned like half the f- 80% of the world. Like all of South America is going insane. The other countries in Europe are like, ah, losers. Then same game, he goes coast to coast. He just is dribbling around people. He just takes the ball all the way down and stores the dagger in that game. So he's known as this like hero in South America for just utterly screwing over England. And he had this awesome quote where he's like, you know, the British might hate me and they might have a good reason, but the Scottish love me and that's all that matters. (laughs) That's great. I fucking love it. And then later in his life, he just kept being a crazy person. One of his more well-known off the field stories is once he went to the Vatican and yelled at the Pope because they had so many gold ceilings and still had poor people. And he's yelling at the Pope, sell your ceilings. Sell your ceilings. <laughs> he's, he's a legend. And uh, That's rest incredible. in peace to a legend. <laughs> sell your ceilings to help the poor people. You have gold on your ceilings. Sell your ceilings. It's one of my favorite stories. Who, who screams at the Pope? I, I've been to the Vatican and definitely was like, gave side eye to a few security cameras and laughed at how many statues have their dicks out for a place that hates gay people so much. But like, I didn't go find the fucking Pope's office and start smashing yeah. on the door. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, actually, that uh, kind of works as a little bit of a segue. Speak, uh, gay people and legends who passed away. I don't know if you heard about this, this happened today. Um, Pat Patterson, legendary professional wrestler and professional wrestling like booker behind the scenes, died today. He was no, one of the first openly gay wrestlers. Um, so it's like his story is kind of weird. He was like a wrestler in the 70s or so. He was in San Francisco. I think everyone in wrestling knew he was gay. And he um, still would get He's like Vince McMahon's right-hand man for the last like 30 years. Um, and then they did like a reality show a couple years ago with these old wrestlers and he came out as gay publicly, but everyone already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was also, I think in like the 80s or 90s, some stories of like ring boys who worked with WWF saying he had like sexually abused them. So I don't know if he was uh, doing a little bit of the Kevin Spacey thing where they accuse him of something. And then years later, he comes out as gay and he's the hero for coming out as gay. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no, that's sad. That sucks. Um, but yeah, he, um, he behind the scenes, he trained so many guys, like every guy who's like new, who came around 20, 30 years after he, uh, had ever been relevant in as a wrestler, as a performer, he was helping all these guys. Um, he like created the Royal Rumble. That was like his brainchild and just so many things that like came later on. And also not to mention his, uh, his run as a wrestler was extremely significant. He was the first ever intercontinental champion, which is actually a pretty funny story because uh, back before the internet, you can kind of say anything and wrestling was always making stuff up and trying to further whatever uh, business they were doing and never having to really be honest about it. Um, mm. They needed a new championship and they, wa- they wanted a new championships. So they could promote different shows with different champions and uh, having like the world champion here and this champion here. So they just said he won the Intercontinental Championship at a tournament in Brazil. 
There was no tournament in Brazil. He just <laughs> said that. It's, it sounded impressive. And uh, my little brother, I remember uh, a few years ago, I mentioned that story. And he was like, he'd always heard the won a tournament in Brazil. And there was a reference to winning a tournament in Brazil. He never knew that it wasn't a real thing. <laughs> he was like 24 years old when he first learned that that whole trope was like a whole inside joke. He, like he might as well have said he won the Mortal Kombat tournament. Like yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's just not fucking real. I love that. That's hilarious. But uh, back in uh, 1979 or 78 or whatever, you just you're going to MSG and there's like this champion who you haven't heard of before. And it's like, well, he won a tournament in Brazil. He's one of the most world renowned wrestlers and he's defending the title against a guy who you do know that's local. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's a show. Why not give them crazy ass backstories? What the fuck difference does it make if it makes it more entertaining? Like, especially before there was internet, there was no way for people to know how much of it was real or not. Have you seen the new wrestling ish movie that David Arquette, made no what uh, i know david arquette's like really interesting he was doing some indie shows in the last couple of years too yeah he made i haven't watched it yet but he put out some movie about like how he's like kind of the one of the more hated people in the wrestling world because he he started yeah. a bunch he started a couple of those uh movies they made in yeah like he was in ready to rumble 2000s. back in the day yeah i only know that because somebody i lived with in college like legitimately claimed that was one of the best movies ever made like there was no <laughs> there was there was no drip of irony to it at all so i had, it's like, a fun it's it. a fun movie but i wouldn't go that far yeah exactly like if if it had been like oh man like you got to get stoned and watch this ridiculous fucking movie i would like that is a much better pitch to me for that than like this is actually legitimately great like you got to give it a chance <laughs> so it's yeah. like um I don't know if legitimately great are the words. Yeah. I would have believed fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, David Arquette was in that movie, which starred a lot of WCW wrestlers. And then that company, WCW, brought David Arquette in to do a couple of matches to promote the movie. And he was a big mainstream star. get some more people watching. And the people running the company at the time were very much in the uh, mindset of all that matters is entertainment. It doesn't really matter. The actual wrestling doesn't really matter. The actual wrestlers don't matter. All that matters is getting money, which has been the history of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like back in the 1800s, it was there's too much money on the line for us not to de- uh, predetermine the outcome. Uh, there's a lot of money. Let's make the, a few more entertaining moves that maybe don't look as realistic. That's kind of the trajectory of wrestling. But yeah. then at a certain point, it was like if we just take an actor and make him win our world championship, then you've kind of jumped the shark a little bit. Not a yeah. little bit, a lot. <laughs> yeah, for for sure. The um, oh fuck, what was I? There's something about wrestling, completely, completely just fucking blanked. On a uh, oh right, yeah. um, I've definitely told you this story at some point in life, but I don't know if I've said it on the show. Uh, did I ever tell you about the time I had a like a quote unquote meeting with one of the writers at WWE just to like sort of talk about like TV and like the process of like character creating and all that stuff? No, I don't think so. Uh, so one of the guys, he's uh, he's a fan of a family member. And yeah. his job now, I believe he doesn't work for WWE. He works personally for The Rock. He's The Rock's personal script toucher. Oh, I think you've mentioned this before because his name is Brian Gewartz. Yes. And okay. uh, I got to have him break down his pitch for a Eugene movie once. You did tell me about this, but tell the story again because this is great. So if nobody, 
I didn't know this. I, you have to apparently be a very big wrestling fan to, to know who Eugene is. And apparently the character <laughs> of Eugene, the entire shtick was that he was special needs. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time, WWE was paying these people tons of money to just churn out scripts for every character. They just yeah. wanted it in the tank. So in case Eugene all of a sudden gets very popular, they can just rush the Eugene movie out. And apparently the Eugene movie would have culminated in him fighting Abraham Lincoln after this like time travel incident. <laughs> like It would have just become this like crazy. I think at one point also he like fights an alligator, but he's in a tree. Like it's, it's like this whole, like it was one of the most absurd movie pitches I've ever heard in my life. It was clearly yeah. just like Eugene's, big adventure <laughs> yeah so this is a long way from like the early 1910s where two of the world's greatest wrestlers had a championship match in comiskey park where the outcome was predetermined but it was still built like the way boxing fights were later on like the big fight field the big championship fight like that's the way wrestling shows were promoted back in the day um but since the 1800s it was always like well we can't not predetermine the outcome because there's too much money on the line. Um, but there were double crosses too, because they would start to get guys who weren't necessarily as talented wrestlers, but were big names. There was like a college football player who they gave the world title to because he would draw more of an audience. They had him go against like a real wrestler and the wrestler just pinned him when he wasn't supposed to, because they didn't feel like it was good to have somebody who's not a real talented wrestler as champion. So yeah. Yeah, the uh, Eugene movie is a long way from that. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely took the evolution to get to. You don't start at the Eugene movie; you get to the yeah. Eugene movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, every time, every time I think of the crazy wrestlers or like the ones that are clearly just meant as like a joke or entertainment, that's that story pops into my yeah. head of being there, like, wow. <laughs> so wait, you weird. were you were like in high school, and you he's a friend of your parents. No, well, I was in college and he was a f he had he had gone to college with someone I, I have a pretty big family. Someone yeah. who I would call my aunt uh I would see from time to time. She's actually the biggest Rangers fan I've ever met, like season yeah. ticket holder. Like every other hockey game I've been to basically has been with her yeah. at MSG. But uh And so she you yeah. were doing like screenwriting in college and she said you should be my friend. Yeah, she uh, she had a poker game at her house where she kind of had a couple people that worked in the thing also there. And she was like, hey, you know, you should come and sit in and play. And I was like, oh, sure. And I ended up getting to hear that story, which in and of itself was 100% worth the whole thing. He also that's had written, funny. The Rock had just hosted Saturday Night Live that week, and that's why he was in town. And um, he told a story about writing a sketch where the rock and Bobby Moynihan were like doing a, one of those old time, like shit talk promos. Yeah. But then all the like rocks lines were so obsessive, like just weird. Like Bobby Moynihan would be like, I'm going to pound you into the ground. And then the rock is like, I checked your internet history. You love family guy porn. And then he's like, that's not what we're doing here. And yeah. apparently uh, he heard, almost the entire cast talking shit about him in another room. Like who the fuck does this guy think he is trying to write sketches on our show? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. Uh, I think, 
Unless, unless you really want to, uh, LSU, if you're an LSU fan, get ready for a rough couple of years because everything that they've ever done is being investigated right now. Apparently they've covered up a lot of Joe Paterno, Sandusky styles type shit in their program and they're full. Was it that bad? I thought it was just like football players raping girls. Maybe it's that too, but have a fun few years LSU because that's going to yeah. suck. You think it's going to be as big of a deal as the Penn State thing? I've heard a little about this. Um, and just like covering maybe, up maybe not. Not that it's not a big deal. Uh, I wasn't trying to say it like that. Um, just more of a, it's not surprising to me that a college sports or a sports program in general covers up the crimes that their athletes commit. I think the pedophilia Penn State was so out of left field. I don't think we like even think thought that that really happens. Yeah, I, we'll see. Who knows? You know, yeah. it's it's kind of a it's kind of a roulette wheel. Which stories end up capturing people's imagination maybe there's so much crazy shit going on right now that they'll get to fly under the radar but if you are an lsu fan um it will suck no matter what it's it sucks when that kind of stuff happens because like yeah if nothing else alabama fans have another fucking thing to fire at you with or you're you're not going to be able to to compete like LSU is in this position where like any kind of sanctions against their recruiting or player acquisition is really going to fucking hurt them because they're in the top conversation for every one of the best players yeah. like it, it, even yeah. a year of being out of that is going to be catastrophic financially if not yeah. on the field right. so have fun with that because that you know sucks to be them i kind of root against the south in college football all the time so i think this is mildly funny i like it when places from other 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 spots win yeah i en- yes but i also do enjoy sec football probably the most many college football conference yeah, yeah they're the best teams but that's kind of why i like it when they lose like i like it when an yeah. oregon comes out of nowhere not right. out of nowhere but i like it when those teams win yeah and what else we got for this good. week that's uh those are all the top stories yeah um yeah the uh i was i I remember when I got most into college football was during like USC's years of dominance. So I always kind of was like, I want the real like SEC or Big 12, more like rough football than this like West Coast, Pac-12, Pac-10 type football. Yeah, I hate USC because I like UCLA. Ah, okay. Um, Even like Cal, I remember liking when Aaron Rodgers was there. So there's like, there's, I like Oregon. but at the time, it was just I was a Longhorns fan, and rooting against USC was fun. Yeah, I'm. You know, USC is is an, like they haven't had any success on the national stage in a good long time. So since it must be maybe, nice. To- yeah, since like since Matt Liner probably Mark Sanchez was there, they were pretty good. And um, it was Sam Sam Donald at USC also, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So they um, still are like producing. The Jets like good are a talent. fucking disaster too. Oof. Yeah, the Jets. Uh, let me see. Um, yeah, he uh, Sam Darnold was USC. Um, the Jets zero and eleven now. It probably intentional. Yeah, and uh, also yeah, I guess we can say this to wrap up. Probably biggest football game of the week: Chiefs Buccaneers. Chiefs won. The Buccaneers seem to me almost like the NFC Ravens. They're mm-hmm. a team that has a lot of great players. A lot of potential where it's like they could go on a run here, but they seem to be just below the top tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll probably be like a first round exit or second round. I could see them making the yeah winning a game. Um, but also, 
that's a team that has enough talent that if they get hot, could easily go on a run and win the Super Bowl. For sure. Yeah. Uh, it's it would all kind of come down to their matchups i think yeah. like if they could kind of luck out and get themselves like not the hardest path in it, beating the chiefs is going to be a challenge for almost anybody i mean tyreek yeah. hill and uh, mahomes have this connection at this point so down oh yeah i found out patrick mahomes like he he's one of those people that puts ketchup on fucking everything and like one of his favorite foods is well done steak with ketchup and like i don't understand how you can legally have that much money and do that to a a piece of meat that's made it, me such a bigger fan of patrick mahomes right now i respect fucking, that so much fucking disgusting if i was that's a incredible. chef i'd be I'd, I'd be one of those people who just said like i'd, I'd like if i got a ticket that said well done steak i'd be like they, they can fucking eat somewhere else <laughs> i'm fucking <laughs> done <laughs> I I, oh, I, worked with, I worked in a restaurant my senior year of high school that hadn't opened yet. It was like they were in the process of building it. So most of my job was like not food related. It was like cleaning. It was like clean the whole place, clean out the basement, do construction, help all this shit. But then the chef was there preparing the menu and he ended up getting fired because he got into a massive fight with the owner because he claimed that American cheese was for our words and he would never have American cheese in his restaurant. The guy was like, I'm trying to make fucking money in this like small ass town. Like I'm not going to fucking have your fancy ass cheese. He ended up getting fired. And the guy they had hired, like he said, American cheese is for retards. Yeah. That was the, that was the, not because he said that, like because he wouldn't concede and have American yeah, cheese in the place, but his funny. the thesis statement that he was yelling at was American cheese is for our words. I'll never forget. Wow. That. That's very funny. Uh, but all right, we can wrap this episode up here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Real Matt Marin, and also uh, want to plug this. I'm the host of Comedy Fight Club Roast Battle Show. We're, well, we've been on Gas Digital for the last couple of years. We're doing on our, going on our own now. Not going to be on Gas anymore. You can find all fights and uh, main events, undercard fight of the night. We've got a bunch of clips on the Comedy Fight Club YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com, search Comedy Fight Club under channels. It's the first one that will come up. And also, we'll be self-producing now. We're going to be trying to sell tickets and still do as much as we can to get the comedians paid and to pay back all the people who are putting work in for the show. So subscribe to patreon.com slash comedy fight club. We're posting full video episodes there and a bunch of bonus content with the officials. Also, you know, it's uh, the prohibition era of comedy with COVID. So if you can, at this point, I know everyone's struggling. If you can find a way to support, subscribe to the Patreon page to, uh, you know, help us be able to keep putting on shows while everything is going on like this. Yep. Yeah. Good. I wish you wish you luck. I've thought I've thought for a long time. It's very impressive that that, that show just seems to outlast <laughs> so much different stuff. It just however long I've been doing comedy, the thing has existed on in multiple venues on multiple platforms. That you just through sheer yep. will keep chugging it along. And I know that it, yep. it would not happen if you weren't working so hard at it. So yeah. it's, it's always been, it has been impressive to watch. Yeah, we just, uh, passed. We just. Yeah, we just passed five years uh, a couple months ago, and uh, we're still going strong as long as we can. We will keep making it happen. Roast comedy is—it's uh, not necessarily the um, uh, industry darling that it has been at some points in the past, where they love comedy <laughs> for roasts. It's not as point. in vogue as it was five years ago, for sure. But yeah, you guys. But there's still that thing is it's not as in vogue, like quote unquote. But there's still so many. We've been doing the show for so long. There's so many people who love just people saying fucked up jokes 
and love mean comedy and roast comedy. So we're still doing it out there. If you still like roast comedy, youtube.com, search Comedy Fight Club, and at Comedy Fight NYC on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, there was a, I remember uh, the last time I was there, I think it was the one that was outside St. Mark's. The, like it was, if nobody has ever been to this part of Manhattan or whatever that's listening, St. Mark's place is this, it's, it's what's technically 8th Street. They call it St. Mark's. And it's full of like restaurants and bars. And like, it's kind of like where college kids hang out. It's like, there's more foot traffic there at night, just socially than most places in Manhattan. And they also and, uh, blocked off the streets from cars uh, at night. So we were doing a show and it was just people gathered around watching. We did it uh, there a, f- uh, a few months before also. And people just gather around and hang out and watch. It feels very much more like a music festival. Like you're one yeah. of the small bands at a music festival. Like you're doing yeah. your shit and just there's hundreds of thousands of people walking by. And if someone happens to want to stop, they can. But I remember sort of standing towards the back and there was one college kid that was like wandering by and saw it. And like by two things in, like the look on his face was like, what have I stumbled onto? So like, you know, he still got those people out there. Like I, the, the, he was like having the time of his life. He like grabbed me on the shoulder and he's like, can you believe they like just said that? And I was like, yeah, man, I've, I've never been a part of this. And then like five minutes later, I like wandered up onto the stage. <laughs> To main event the show <laughs> yeah like little did this kid know he, he just thought i was another co-person who had wandered up to this yeah. thing he was like having the time of his life but yeah That's so right. you know there, there are still those kind of people out there i guess yeah. and where can we find you on tour and instagram anthony uh anthony past 94 pretty sure i've been like shadow banned for saying too much ridiculous shit because <laughs> i get <laughs> like four to five new followers a day and no interaction on anything anymore um yeah. uh i don't know um, if anybody, I, you know, I'm, I'm still just working on churning out scripts. I really hope that, uh, Joe Biden is serious that he's going to give everybody more money and I'm going to save we'll it see. and yeah. then I'm going to try to shoot a movie instead of, uh, working around doing all yeah. my other shit. Cause that was the, that was the initial goal anyway. When I first yeah, started write all, own, all write this, write your, own, write your own Eugene movie. Yeah, that was when I first started all this shit. The whole goal was uh, make a movie and be friends with Green Day, and I've done neither <laughs> of those two things yet. So I'm yeah. gonna try to kick one into higher gear instead of just sitting on my yeah. fucking hands all day. Awesome. All right, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Later. <laughs>